The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell. That's right. Last week of the college basketball regular season. Small conference tournament play plus NBA drama. We've got our Wise Guy Roundtable. To my left, all the college knowledge. Brad Powers. To my right, Steve Fezzik. I'm R.J. Bell. Guys, another jam-packed episode. Kyler Murray, wowza, the odds changes. History, literally, being made. The past being told, hey, you're dusty. You're part of history. Forget about you. I don't give a care. Wow. Also, Nick Foles, also the Lakers, Short-term in the toilet, long-term not looking so good either. Speaking of not looking good, Zion, Brad Powers, and his bankroll. We'll talk about that. Fezzik in love with the AAF. Three best bets, including one from Uncle Dave Esler. Showtime! Let's get straight to it. Kyler Murray, Brad, you've done a good job Recently, you know, if all, if all things go poorly, maybe a newsreader in a small Midwestern <laughs> town, but we've had quite the odds adjustments when it's come to Kyler Murray and where he's going to go in the draft. So pre NFL combine, this is about 10 days ago. The over-under on Kyler Murray's draft position, nine and a half. So it was pretty much even. Either Kyler Murray gets drafted in the first nine picks or he doesn't. Switch back 10 days later. Now Kyler Murray is minus 250 to be the first pick in the NFL draft. A 70% chance of being number one. 10 days after he was 50-50 to go in the top nine picks of the draft. And how many passes has he thrown during that time? Zero. How many top 40s has he blazed through? Zero. I mean, Fez, I got to tell you, I mean, it, it gets old to say I've never seen this before, but I don't think I've ever seen this before. I don't think I've ever seen this before. Moves from nine and a half to one and a half, and the under moves from Pickham to minus 250. And... <laughs> I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's one thing to say is he going to be drafted in the top nine. I mean, that's a reasonable. Hey, take a flyer, right? But the idea that this is the best quarterback in the NFL draft, and and clearly we're getting to the point where it's clearly the best quarterback in the NFL draft. It's it's hard to imagine. Let's start though with on the on the on the size. Because I think that was the big issue entering the season. And Brad, straight out of Vegas weekend edition, we actually had a conversation. Would Kyler Murray maybe shut it down early 
before the football season was e- e- even over. Yeah, so Kyler Murray came into his, what was going to be his final season at Oklahoma, his final season playing football because Kyler Murray's drafting the top 10 in the Major League Baseball draft. And our thought process was, hey, if Oklahoma loses a couple games early, they disappoint, they're out of the Big 12 race, they're out of the national championship race. What does Kyler Murray have to play for? If this is it for him, how motivated should he be to play out the rest of the season? We were thinking, hey, maybe start shutting it down. So that was part of our discussion last summer. And a reasonable part of the discussion. Now you might say, okay, that was then. This is now a a very interesting Emilio Estevez movie that you hardly ever see on TV. That was then. This is now. (laughs) It's funny. Some of these movies, I think they get into disputes about who has ownership and they just never get played. But check it out if you've never checked it out. It was a quintessential 80s movie, which, you know, I kind of have a soft spot for. But you could say, well, look how much has changed. So, Brad, let's quantify the changes. Entering the season over under... How many quarterbacks would you have projected to have a better season than Kyler Murray? Five at most. And how many quarterbacks do you think had a better season than Kyler Murray? I mean, it's the he had a top three season. So really, you're saying he was two or three slots better than expected. Yep. Now, I don't understand it. I get the idea they thought he was a little bit smaller than he actually is. But other than that, here's a guy we thought the experts like you thought top five quarterback, and then lo and behold, he's a top three or top two quarterback. How, how does that cause someone who was literally going to give up the sport to be the most uh, valued draft choice in the sport? Doesn't make sense to me, RJ. Now let's talk about the physicality. So pregame.com research did this, looked at every starting quarterback. So looking at Kyler Murray's uh, 5'10 height, now the shortest quarterback of the 32 starters, Russell Wilson, 5'11", Drew Brees, 6'0", Baker Mayfield, 6'1". Every other quarterback, 6'2 or taller. So this isn't like, oh, Kyler Murray's an inch shorter of the seven or eight other really shortish quarterbacks. So can he make up for that inch? And as you often say, Fez, I mean, every inch, every inch counts. Very important. (laughs) So it's saying that you've got three short quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, and otherwise... Murray is four inches shorter or more than the other 29 quarterbacks. Now, could a third-round draft choice, even a second-round draft choice, you know, maybe he's just got this, he's got that. But the idea you're going to say that fundamentally the rest of the NFL and all the history that we have with the NFL, throw it out the window and height doesn't really matter, and this kid who's going to be four inches shorter than all but a handful of quarterbacks is the best quarterback coming out and is clearly better than a Josh Rosen 
that some thought was the most NFL-ready of all quarterbacks entering last year's draft, again, it, it make the case. Can anyone – it's easy to say, oh, people are stupid. Well, no, these are billionaires and millionaires making these decisions, right? Is the GM of Arizona is a millionaire for how much he knows football. What are we missing? I think there's a, a thought process that Kyler Murray is a perfect fit for the new head coach's offensive system. Okay, now that's fascinating because we have a new head coach for Arizona that also seems to <laughs> defy history, <laughs> and we've got a number on that. Yeah, so Cliff Kingsbury, new head coach, fired from Texas Tech. Not, not Didn't take the step up from the NFL, was actually fired, was going to be an offensive coordinator at USC. In his career in the Big 12, Cliff Kingsbury, take out Kansas. Why take out Kansas? Because in the last decade, Kansas has arguably been the worst power five team in college football history in a decade's time. He smells. Take out those. Cliff Kingsbury in conference play was 13 and 35 against the Big 12. 13 and 35. Now, wait a minute. That's less than 50%. Yeah, it's like 35% winning percentage. <laughs> and they say, okay. <laughs> We're going to make you the head coach. And, oh, by the way, we want your view of the world, which, oh, by the way, didn't work in college, to somehow trump decades of history in the NFL. Pays to be friends with Sean McVay, and it pays to be a college coach of Patrick Mahomes, I guess. And by all reports, very popular guy. Everyone wanted him to succeed at Texas Tech, and that's why he lasted as long as he did and ultimately finally the performance issue got him right now we could say this is all just arizona stupidity Mm. but if let's just say arizona doesn't take Kyler murray number one what would you make the number brad right now over under where he goes if he doesn't go number one man there's a lot of smoke about him going to oakland six and a half maybe so what we're really saying is we can pick on Arizona yeah. and say, oh, number one is even more extreme than number two, et cetera. But he's going, you know, right now, what would the odds be taught over under nine and a half, which were, as we said, 50-50 not that long ago. I'd make my biggest bet on the year he goes before number 10. Yeah, absolutely. So someone's making this choice. Yeah, I think if they put odds on that, it probably you have to lay 15 to make a dollar, something in that neighborhood. All right, so what we're saying is literally there's been a paradigm shift, a fundamental shift in the NFL for this to make sense. That 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 being 6'2 or bigger doesn't really matter and uh, <laughs> I mean, that's it. I mean, literally that's I mean, how many quarterbacks have had great statistical seasons, have had in college, have had everything but height, and weren't even, you know, fifth round draft choices, sixth round yeah. draft, that kind of thing. All the time. Like, a, and again, I'm not a, a scout. I can't, but like a, a Pat White. Yep. Right. You look at someone like that and say, I mean, and you tell me, because maybe you're going to say, oh, it's wow. It's so different. I mean, how different? I mean, Kyler Murray is a much better passer than a Pat White. No question about that. How How's Kyler Murray compared to Lamar Jackson as a passer? Better. Significantly better. 
Who? I mean, I thought Lamar got a bad rap for being a poor college pastor. I, I didn't. So who's the co- who is the Kyler Murray comp from the last five years? Wow, he's a little different. I mean, because we're talking, he's historically small. No, no. Yeah, I, I'm just saying. Run past? Yeah, no, 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 no. You're right. Yeah. Give me a small. Give me a quarterback that put up the stats, but because the the measurables weren't there, didn't get taken seriously. Mm. I mean, I always bring up the Hawaii quarterback, yeah, Cole Brennan and stuff like that. But they they weren't you know known as runners. They're good throwers. So, but I mean, how much? Let's be candid. How much of the value of Kyler Murray's his ability to run? Because I mean, if it. it's if it's significant, that's a big mistake to start with. <laughs> Here's the with. thing, RJ. We haven't had a lot of running quarterbacks in college football at 5'10", 190. Because, I mean, even in college football, you're not going to survive very long. <laughs> I mean, listen, as a Steeler fan, I remember Pat White's last play. And, you know, I don't know if a Cam Newton being so much bigger would have taken this hit differently. But it was late in the game. They put Pat White in. I'm almost certain it was Ryan Clark playing at safety, who was tough as nails. And Pat White was, uh, it was almost like the play in the Super Bowl when Goff was trying to go out of bounds. Yeah. And they, they could, they just got there to hit him. Clark had an angle on him, hit him full bore, like one step from going out of bounds. Pat White, Pat White never took another snap. And that was what, seven, eight years ago? Yep. How much stronger are the players today? And if you're out of the pocket, I get you can avoid the hits. So it just strikes me. It's such a cliche to say he's the exception that proves the rule. But if you look at the Russell Wilsons of the world, um, there's one of them. Yep. Right. And Drew Brees passes so quickly and is through whatever ability for him to see past, excuse me, passing lanes, his height doesn't hinder him. And then that's it. And yeah. Drew Brees seems to be very cerebral in terms of being able to anticipate the coverages and knowing, hey, you know what? I can't even see my tight end here, but he's going to be there and go ahead and execute those sort of passes. And both those uh, examples, Russell Wilson and Drew Brees do a lot of, have a lot more intangibles, at least that I could see as far as, you know, being a, a you know, cerebral a team, teammate, you know, a good, great off the field, not, not knocking Kyler Murray, but we knew that about Drew Brees and, and Russell wow. Wilson coming out. Both those guys also were three, four year starters. And Russell college. Wilson is the master of rolling out, going oh, not full. And speed. he still went second round. Third round, seventy fifth pick, and he can stop on a dime. I think he he rarely runs at full speed. He runs at like seventy five percent, and he he can change direction. He opens up the passing if, lanes. It's just phenomenal. But if someone said, "Listen, there are rare combinations of talents that would allow someone the size of Kyler Murray to succeed," look at Russell Wilson. But they're rare, so a third round pick take a flyer. But the idea of saying, uh, in theory, the number one pick is the surest pick in the draft. Can I also say this? I think he's also uh, benefiting from a very poor quarterback class this Mm. year. I I mean, if we're talking next year's class, 
Kyler Murray would, you know, wouldn't be in the top two of those quarterbacks. The next year after that, when Trevor Lawrence comes along, mm-hmm. Kyler Murray wouldn't be in the top two of that. So also, Kyler Murray's benefiting from it's a very weak quarterback class. Now, Charlie Caserly comes out, and we're taping on Wednesday here at the pregame.com studios. And let's just read the quotes here. These were the worst comments I ever got on a top-rated quarterback, and I've been doing this a long time, said the 70-year-old Caserly. Is that how you say his name? Caserly. Caserly, who spent three decades in the NFL as a scout and personnel executive with the Skins and the Texans. Leadership, not good. Study habits, not good. Board work, below, not good. Not good at any in any of those areas, raising major concerns about what this guy is going to do. He added that Murray better hope that the Arizona coach Kingsbury, whose team has the number one pick, blah, 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 um, uses the, the selection on the X sooner because this was not good. Meaning that if he doesn't go number one. Who's going to pick him? Yeah, I guess. But boy, that seems to go against everything else we're hearing. That yeah. Now, it's one thing if you say, okay, he doesn't have this, he doesn't have that, he doesn't have this, but boy, he's the first guy at the gym. He's the last guy mm-hmm. to shut out the lights. Instead, and, and, and we asked this question on Fox Sports Radio nationally, straight out of Vegas, 6 o'clock Eastern, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Tricked you. Is it was a situation. <laughs> yes, there's five, just like in The Godfather. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday is uh, Apollonia. I don't know if you've seen The Godfather or not. I remember Apollonia. What a beauty. (laughs) (laughs) I don't apologize. Take care of my family. Okay. Is he, this is as bad of a report we're hearing in these interviews as any quarterback in memory. I mean, Brad, can you remember any that people are coming out saying such negative things? No, I mean, you don't have to go back to Vince Young's Wonderlick score, but they weren't, that was just a score and a test. They weren't necessarily talking about, you know, his leadership qualities, which Vince Young was known for. So it's like, I mean, think about this for, if you did like a blind resume and said, okay, this quarterback had a heck of a year statistically, right? Heck of a year. But in the scheme of, and remember now, it's not how great a year you have. It's how great a year you have against the average year as the averages keep going up. Yeah. So if the, if the average quarterback rating in 1980, and I don't know what it was, was a 60 and you're a 70, you're plus 10, right? And if today it's a 90 and you're a hundred, you're a plus 10. So if we said relative to an average season, I would make the case that Murray's had a really good season, but in the last 10 years, there's probably been at least 30 quarterbacks that's relative to the average quarterback season that year has been in that range. Does that sound right to you, Brad? Yeah, it sounds right. I mean, the top four passing efficiency seasons in college football history have all happened in the last three years. So the number, the raw numbers 
look great yep. relative to the 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 average still really good but there were some really good seasons in 1996 relative to the average so this is a top you know 30 type season in the last decade however you want to look at it and then you say he's 58 <laughs> right you say he's played one year of quarterback and Brad, you've talked a lot about experience. Let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, experience. If you look at the most successful quarterbacks in the last two decades of the NFL, their college experience, what did they have coming out of college? Every single one of those quarterbacks, whether it be Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, all had at least two years of starting experience at the college level. And on average, a little over three years. And on top of that, you know, Kyler Murray, little over a year of experience, but keep in mind, what's Kyler Murray doing in spring practice? What's Kyler Murray doing during summer workouts? He's playing another sport, so he's not getting snaps with those players as much as some of the other ones did in the offseason. I got to be honest. If I was an odds maker and I was just in a vacuum and I had to set the line, will he go? Where will he go? All right. And before the combine, I'm thinking he's 5'8". Will he go in the first round? I would have probably made the no a small favorite, and then he gets measured to 5'10". I'm like, okay, you know, that's new information. Maybe I would set it at like 17 he's, he's and still, a half. He's still four inches or more shorter than all but three starting quarterbacks. Exactly. So I would have like said maybe made it 17 and a half, and then I could see it like after he doesn't go, like my boss screaming at me, like, how could you make it 17 and a half? This guy doesn't even belong in the first round, right? I could definitely see that. What are you doing, Fez? If he thought he was going in the first round, I don't think he probably would have planned to play baseball. Agree. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. The very fact that he was planning to play baseball, even though we expected a heck of a season from him this year, was just doesn't have the physicality to play NFL quarterback. thought he was going to go in the top 10. He would never have even bothered with baseball and risked an injury and would have just focused on football 24-7. But you know the close. This is America. The Kyler Murray theme song. <laughs> okay. Next up, Nick Foles. Fez looks like he's going, speculating to the Jags. The what Jaguars. Do, what do we know? Well, we know the Jaguars need a quarterback desperately. Blake Bortles, my number 31 rated quarterback, and the team has. Now who's worse? Rosen. 32. Really? Yes. You know something? We didn't. Let's double back just for a second. So, right now. And it's always important to define what ratings mean. If we're if we're rating how well a quarterback played, that's one rating. Another rating is how much optimism would you have for them next year if everyone were in the same situation? Also, how much optimism do you have in their current situation? Also got to consider age. I mean, all these ratings got a lot to consider. Let me define this very specifically. Everyone's in the same situation. So there's no situational edge. Oh, this guy's got Balachek as a coach or whatever. Okay. Number two, you do consider age as in a young quarterback is better because he's got more years. That's going to be my two conditions. Hmm. Where do you put Rose in one to 32? 
Gosh, obviously we've got to upgrade him over some of the older guys, but still more like 27, I think. So I would make the case that Rosen had literally the double whammy of problems this season. Number one, coaching that was so bad. Steve Wilkes, not ready to be a head coach. In fact, Mackie did a little research. How many coaches this century, I think it was, that were one and done? Since 2009, coaches had gone one and done. Wilkes was the 10th. And some of those, I'm guessing, went on to better jobs, you know. But let's just say all of them. It's it's a once every two year type proposition. He was that bad. Okay. And Fez, we talked about this on the radio. I would say if you look at all the NFL teams the last five years, so you've got 30 times five is 150, and then you got five times, or, or you got two more left. Times five, so you got 160 seasons, right? Correct. I would say this was for Arizona one of the five worst injury prone offensive line seasons of those 160. Agree. And I'm going to go back and do some research on just historically how bad that O line was, but Rose well, was I mean, what, for his what, life. What I know was that literally they did, like, come week 13, they didn't have one starter that started the season. Exactly. So I don't know how much research you need to do. It was, you know, it was literally just take that starting line, set them all aside. (laughs) So what did you, I mean, you're not an all 22 guy. Like, what are we seeing other than poor performance, which there's other reasons of, you know, do you ever see Peyton Manning stats his rookie year? Horrible. No. Pull him up, Mackie. So, I mean, they were, he had like a historic number of interceptions. One thing that did get into Ro- it got into Rosen's head okay. and he did not handle it well, but it was a, a situation that no one would probably handle well. And he definitely did not improve. He got worse as the year went on. He was here in the footsteps nonstop. I would too, if I was about to get killed again. So, I mean, you've just got to wonder a guy that many serious professionals said Rosen was the most NFL-ready quarterback in the draft to have the double whammy of a, you know, once-every-two-year bad new coach combined with a, you know, once-every-couple-year for the whole league bad luck with O-line, plus having no real weapons otherwise. I mean, still yeah, be the, one of the worst teams in the NFL otherwise. And one of his main weapons, Christian Kirk, was hurt. Keep in, in mind, his offensive coordinator, uh, they switched offense coordinators midseason. Steve Wilkes is already a defensive guy, not an offensive mind. David Johnson was supposed to come back and be the stud, and they could go ahead and set up the pass with the running game. He was a bust all year long. Rosen, 11 touchdowns, 14 interceptions this year. Peyton Manning's rookie year, 26 touchdowns, 28 interceptions. 28 interceptions. <laughs> now, Gunslinger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean. <laughs> Cannonball. And then one more, he's right on top of Cannonball. Cannonball coming. Cannonball coming. 
So, uh, listen, odds are this isn't Peyton Manning, but Peter King's reporting a third-round draft choice for Rose and a guy that went 10th and I think was uh, got far from a, a fair chance. And you got a shot that you could wind up with a top 10 quarterback in Rosen down the road a couple years from now, and you only have to give up a third rounder. I think you mentioned it, RJ. You're buying low on Rosen. Okay, Nick Foles, what kind of effect do you see in Jacksonville? I think it's going to be a huge positive because I have Nick Foles. We've talked about this before. No quarterback has more variance in his overall results. You could make the case if you just looked at his playoff games that Nick Foles is a top five quarterback. He's had some down years. I put him right in the middle. I put him number 15. So you've got an upgrade from Bortles, my number 31 quarterback, to Foles number 15. But here's why I think it's a huge upgrade. This is the rare case where the quarterback is going to make that defense much better, not just the offense. Because frankly, the Jacksonville defense had lost so much faith in Bortles that even when they put Cody Kessler back there at quarterback and they benched Bortles and Kessler's worse than Bortles, the team played better for a while because the defense finally brought maximum effort. So happy that Bortles wasn't their quarterback. Now you guys had a bet on uh, straight out of Vegas about Jacksonville. And anytime there's a bet on straight out of Vegas, no, by the way, you shouldn't be missing those shows. Go to your podcast player, search RJ Bell. You can subscribe for free to Straight Out of Vegas every day. You get it. And subscribe for free if you haven't yet. Almost all you have to the dream preview. Don't miss any. You guys made a bet. Fez, what was the bet? Well, the bet was that Jacksonville over under season wins. We used nine. I bet over. All right. So you bet over. Brad bet under. Trade hasn't had, I mean, this signing isn't official, correct? It is not official, but it's imminent. All right. So here's what we do. Anytime there's a bet made on SOV, we give you guys a chance to double it. So what I do is I go one, two, three, and upon three, you both raise your hands. It gets doubled. And if one of you doesn't, they get ridiculed. If neither, you both get ridiculed. <laughs> One, two, three. <laughs> oh my God. Neither raised their hand. <laughs> Fez, what are you thinking? Well, I'm thinking that I'm taking a bad number here because I actually think the number is going to be eight. And so I hate betting over nine when I can just out of my pocket in town bet over eight. So that means, Brad, you're crazy not to bet. Uh, why not go back with the under? Full pull behind the curtain. Fez negotiated uh, some bad numbers that I took against him. Uh, he gave me a break on a few bets. So I'm going to give him a break on this one. I would have liked What? Break. No, no, no. Full disclosure. Explain exactly what happened. Well, Brad bet that the Lakers would finish at 500 or better. He yeah. also bet, along with you, RJ, green button bet, that the Lakers would win the championship by 2022. And he bet $300 on each. And I told Brad, you know what, Brad? Pay me the $300 for the Lakers not to make the playoffs this year. And I'll, I'll go ahead and let you surrender out of your 2022 bet. <sighs> Okay, so you're saying prepay. Did you need the money that bad? 
No, but I was like, it's so far in the future. I'm not going to get paid till 2023, and who knows? Powers might be running the country by then, and I might not even be able to track him <laughs> down. So I said, ah, just give me the three hundred dollars. I was thinking he'd be <laughs> he'd be pouring beer at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible, highly <laughs> more likely. <laughs> no, I think he's right where he's supposed to be, killing college sports. All right, so you got prepaid, and then. You you let him out of what? I let him out of his bet that the Lakers would win the championship by 2022. He bet that them at two to one against me. And now, okay, that odds gone to like four to one. Yeah. So you let him out of a bad number to get paid early. But what the hell does it have to do with this bet? Oh, because I'm gonna win this bet. And you're like trying, like you thought you got the best of them, so you're trying to be nice. Yeah, I'm being nice. That's it. Fifty dollar yeah. fine for both of you. <laughs> I'm serious. Is that this? Is, what is this? Are you guys so bad off? I'll get you. <laughs> are, are, are you guys? Are you guys so bad off that 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 that, that, that this isn't what we do? I, My favorite moment in the history, perhaps, of the dream preview. Was when Matty Holt came and he was like half sick. <laughs> and I mean, we were negotiating deals and, and he was like kind of fuzzy. Weather bad. I mean, what? And he was like, oh, I can't wait to what are you guys is feeling less than 100%. Props. I'll take, I'll take advantage of you. When there's blood in the water, that's <laughs> when you attack. Whatever pussified you guys out here. Is over fifty dollar you know, fine. Fair enough, and I I got to be honest here. I felt bad for Brad because he almost originated with me the whole idea that the Lakers are a team that we should be betting against each and no, every that's game. That's on me for being a flag waver. Yep, 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 yep. And then L- you waffle how? Listen, listen. You guys have never been this oh. way before. You've been fined. It's over. Let's move on. <laughs> The commissioner. I mean, I mean, this is David Stern stuff here. I mean, we, we can't be okay with any of that. I mean, the only thing I could say is, certainly he can present a bill for such services. After all, we are not communists. We are not communists. All right, Foles. So you guys, you think a big effect fest? Yes. Uh, Antonio Brown. We got some odds. Yeah, we do on Antonio, Antonio Brown and the. Word coming out is this trade is likely to happen by the end of this week. Right now, the favorite to get Antonio Brown week one. What team will Antonio Brown be on? The Raiders plus 350, followed by the Titans plus 550, and then the Cardinals come in at plus 750. Any, any value, anyone see value there? I mean, the, the smoke, the, there's a lot of smoke with the Raiders plus 350, but help me try to understand this. The, the Raiders couldn't, you know, didn't want Amari Cooper, who was a pretty, you know, had trouble with drops. And I get it. Antonio Save Brown's, the Cowboys season. Yeah, he's Antonio Brown's better. But, man, in the locker room, all the distractions and Antonio Brown causes compared to Amari Cooper doesn't make any sense to me that the favorite is the Raiders. But remember now, they took Martavius Bryant for a third. Uh, that's true. Right? Mm. So... Not the shrewdest negotiator. <laughs> no, you know, the Titans get real interesting. If Mariota finally gets a nice uh, weapon and um, to throw the ball downfield, maybe Corey da- Davis develops. So that, that division, that AFC South, is upgrading daily, seemingly. All right, Le'Veon Bell, we got odds. 
Yeah, so where will Le'Veon Bell play week one? Jets, the favorite, five to one, closely followed by the Tampa Bay Bucks, plus 550. Eagles, plus 750, along with the Texans, both those teams, plus 750. Yeah, just so he leaves Pittsburgh. As Simmons would say, I'll drive him to the airport. <laughs> All right. Let's go to something that I I feel like, oh, talk about no sympathy. God, you guys, I guess that's why I mean you guys are you. It's, it's just this idea of, of like, oh, he gave me uh, something good. It's yeah, like, I, know. He, I, I mean, over with. it is weak. You know, speaking weak. of the airport, I got to tell another weak story. Like, RJ and I are driving, we get home from Atlanta, and Fezzik's like, like I'm on, I don't know, I'm a half zombie. And, and he's, he's like, be careful now, I'm driving RJ home. And it's like, literally, I, I am like lost. Like, I've never been in Las Vegas before. And we finally get there. And RJ's like, drink it slow. You know, stop for some coffee if you need it. I mean, I'm worried about you dying if you want to consider that weak. <laughs> but I mean, uh, you know, as listen, as Jock Ewing would say, nobody gives you power. Real power is something you take. This is RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> Speaking of that, Brad, why don't you recap your uh, your very difficult situation you're, you're in with Zion and Duke. Oh, man. So a few weeks back when Zion gets hurt in the North Carolina game, the shoe blow, blows out. Uh, th- there was word, you know, whether Zion would come back for this season or not. And I thought, oh, my goodness, of course he's going to come back. Didn't look like that bad of an injury. And from all reports, it's not significant. He's going to come back and try to win a national championship with Duke. So RJ comes in. I don't mm, I got some thoughts that I don't <laughs> think he's going to come back. What would you give me? And I'll say Zion doesn't come back. This now remember, season. we asked Faz to set a price. Yeah. And so four to one is I what did. we came yep. up with. I if I win, Zion plays two hundred fifty bucks. If RJ wins, Zion doesn't play. RJ picks up a a nice dime, thousand bucks. I think you even said you know you thought Zion likely would be back oh, before the Wake yeah, Forest. He, he game. just missed a couple games. He'll be right. And back my in theory there. being to repeat is that the leverage is about the Nike because you can't Zion can't play for Duke unless I'm mistaken something unless he wears Nike. And by wearing Nike, he then seems to indemnify Nike from any culpability with the shoe blowing out. You're going to think he's going to want Nike to really pay for that or let competition acts, Adidas, et cetera. Imagine the commercial. We've talked about it. Zion's shoe blows. Somehow you see that Nike logo just up close on the ground with the crumpled shoe. You see him limping. And then you say, but then, and you see him lacing up the Adidas. <laughs> and then he's slamming and jamming. I mean, uh, the idea that he's going to give up that leverage. He could completely revive the long dead L.A. gear company. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, Fez, I mean, you had those. Uh, Big baller brand. I, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing you had Chucky e. Taylors back in the day, right, Fez? <laughs> I don't even know what those are. 
<laughs> but listen, we could say national championship is the issue, or we could say, may I remind you, in this archdiocese, God don't run the bingo. It's all about the money. Mm-hmm. So, Brad, right now, where do you put your odds? I think it, there's a 65% chance Zion comes back, and it's all based- So you would give me plus 200 then? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. You, you oh, would want man. more action at plus 200? I don't want more action. <laughs> I got enough. Where do you put the odds at? I put it at 60%. I'd give you plus 150, but I would not give you more than plus 150. So just close your eyes and explain to me the scenario that he comes back. Because... Sitting here on Wednesday, he's not incredible. Brad, give the update of, of what they've said. Yeah, so it was reported yesterday after the Wake Forest game that he, Zion Williamson likely out in the big revenge game against North Carolina on Saturday. Which seems like the time he'd come back. You would think. But, and this is why I still say there's 65% chance, I got to believe Coach K said, I would be surprised if Zion doesn't play in the ACC tournament. Now, Clay Travis Mm. had a theory. He did. And uh, Clay said, I think Coach K has been told by Zion Williamson's people that he's not coming back to college basketball. But Duke, they're not going to tell anyone. Why? To make sure they get the number one seed in the tournament. Mm -hmm. And still somehow. So, so again, I I keep asking the question. No one seems to want to answer. What is the scenario where Zion comes back? Give me the most likely scenario. Oh, wow. I mean, other than national title, I ain't got much. I mean, but I'm not saying why I'm saying uh, he comes back for the first tournament game. I mean, like, how do you see him coming back? Yeah. I mean, I thought he would come back last night. That's what I'm saying. So we're sitting here today and you still think that there's a, a, a two and three chance he comes back. Give me the likely scenario. He comes back for a couple of easy games in the NCAA tournament. So well, he, once he comes back, he can't suddenly stop playing anymore. He's already yeah. lost his window of opportunity with, uh, with well, the he Nike. He could. And, yeah. So I don't even say, like, I can't even envision He's got to be 100% healthy, and he's got to forego his future earnings in, on his shoe deal. Take a, take a haircut because of loyalty to Duke and the team. <laughs> and that's what you guys are betting on. Well, that's what my odds <laughs> went to 60%. Yeah. This is the business we've chosen. I think you guys might be in the wrong business. I do think that this is an excellent point. That, that Obviously, it's if Duke knows he's not coming back, it's in very much their best interest to go ahead and make it sound like he is because it will cost them the one seed more than likely if that gets announced. Mm, but I, doesn't that bring up a point of in, if we're going to moving into this direction of integrity and whatnot, couldn't they, if they know that he's not going to come back and say this uh, gets out later, everyone that's betting future odds on Duke to win the title, not wouldn't integrity come into play. Excellent point. Wow. I mean, he's Yo, on the injury. boy. <laughs> Welcome to the hood, brother. He is on the injury report. But here's the thing. I've been rewatching NYPD Blue about as good as TV gets. And at various times where they're in uh, interrogation and they want to give someone the benefit of the doubt, they'll say something like, now make sure to say that in your mind, your thought was, I was fearful for my life or whatever. Mm -hmm. Doesn't Coach K's language sound awful lawyerly? 
that it would be a big surprise. Give me oh, the language yeah. again. It would be a surprise to me if Zion doesn't play in the ACC tournament. Yeah. So oh, what he's saying it. is I've got no special yeah. inside information. Mm. I'm just speaking from my own perspective, and I'm hoping he plays. So what it does is, in a way, he's exerting a little pressure on them, trying to create the contrast that if you don't play well, Jesus surprises everybody, but how can you make Coach K culpable for anything mm-hmm. if he doesn't know? One of those, at this time, I cannot recall Zion ever telling me any kind of intention of not to play at this time. So, and, and again, they're, they're going to be smart enough, or Coach K is going to be smart enough to say, hey, whatever you guys are thinking, you know, Here's the formal channels that communicate it. Obviously, this isn't, you know, rubbing his knee before the game and saying, you ready to go or yeah. not? These, these are hundreds of millions of dollars at stake or tens of millions is the delta when it comes to this shoe contract. Yeah. And like your bet on Duke and, and the three other teams pales in comparison oh, where you laid four to one on them to uh, win the championship against the other 368 teams. I, the odds. I got so many <laughs> bad bets coming up here that, you know, I'm thinking about a new vehicle <laughs> <laughs> might not be driving the, the Ford you know with the weather improving you can really get by without a car with uber and a bike uh, you can i bitch. can't help it that i'm custom made i can't help it that i look good smell good Woo, can't dance all night long hey listen there is one th- listen you've had a help i mean you won how much did you win in the the, the gold nugget contest 20 20 dimes? 20 dimes. See, so, I mean, this doesn't apply, even apply to you. He's a janitor at a high school. <laughs> Has to take the bus to work every day. Good You're point. fine. Yeah, I'm fine. All right. How good is Duke without Zion? I don't think they're a top five team. So you're saying there's five teams better than Duke without Zion. Yeah, and those teams would be Virginia, uh, Gonzaga, Kentucky, uh Tennessee would also be better. North Carolina, obviously, is better, too. Time out. Time out. So, so a couple weeks ago, we talked about the value of Zion, and you said five points. That he was it might five. be six points now. You also said, correct me if I'm wrong, that Duke is like historically being priced as like the greatest team that we've seen. The second seen. best team of a decade based on how big of a favorite they were. So at the time. how good is Zion Williamson for Duke that this team can go from the second best team historically ever to not even being a top five team, he's got to be more worth like seven points, right? Well, if, if you just drop Duke's power rating right now, six points, that puts him, you know, in that six, seven range okay. in my own power ratings. Okay. And, and why is he worth six points? Let's look at it. With Zion this year, Duke's 23 and two. They outscore their opponents by 20 points per game. Since Zion went out, counting the North Carolina game because he went out in the first 30 seconds, Duke's three and two, only outscoring their opponents by four points per game. 16 points per game difference there. And, and obviously the near loss at home to Wake Forest is just epic fail. I, I'm surprised and it didn't happen. But this is how big of an upset that would have been, the Wake Forest. And if you watch the replay, the ball rolls around completely around the rim, probably an 80-some percent chance it goes in. If that would have happened, Wake Forest, that upset over Duke would have been bigger than that 16 seed that beat Virginia, UMBC, last year in the NCAA tournament. A bigger upset than that. Wake Forest, a 21-point underdog? 24-and-a-half. 24-and-a-half. Okay. <sighs> you got some bad you, – your portfolio is not looking good Portfolio right is really bad right now. Really All right. Bad. So now comes Fezzik's favorite time of the podcast. No sex, no boo, 
booze, no drugs. Our little roller is a purist. He's a goddamn thoroughbred. All he cares about is the next hand. AAF. Love the AAF. Let's <laughs> go ahead and update things through week four, RJ. Home teams are now nine and seven against the spread, but unders continue to roll in. I got to be honest. I'm worried about the league. Unders are now 12 and four against the spread. Every week, if you blindly bet unders, three and one. I mean, no variance at all. Three games go under, one goes over. doesn't matter if you grade on the opening total, the closing total. This is a league that was supposed to be high-flying. They opened up the totals in the 50s week one, and we've seen these totals come down. Week one totals, 50 and a half. Week two totals, 46 and a half. Week three totals, 43. Week four totals average at 40, and yet all we see are unders bad quarterback play, bad O-line play, not an enjoyable league. I don't know if they're going to survive, RJ. But what matters to me is, can we make money this weekend? So as you look with the basic assumption, the unders are the way to go. The basic assumption that you led the way with, Fez, that home teams have a bigger advantage than you might think. What do you see being adjusted? And where do you see, and you're going to have a best bet in a little bit on one of these games. But more generally, uh, do you, if, if, let me ask you this is if you had to play all home teams blindly or all unders blindly, what do you think is losing value? Where's the value at? What's Where's value being lost? I think the value's been lost on both because the reason I really liked the home teams was because of that 35-second clock that I felt it was more of a hardship for the visitor to have to rush the plays in and get the plays off faster than in the NFL. Now that we've got four weeks in the books, and frankly, the road teams went 4-0 and against the spread last week. So I think that, that the value of playing home teams is gone. As far as the unders, I'm pretty confident, RJ, that what we're going to see is that the opening totals just came out. First book put it up. The average totals week five is being dealt at 40. I think if you... What was last week's? Last week's, the average was at 39 at the closer. So I... Again, with all these unders, I think if you want to play unders, look to play unders early in the cycle. I think these totals are going to get bet down again. If you like overs, I think it posts at some point. We can't see every week go three and one to the under. I think we're going to see. Well, that sounds like the do theory. That sounds like some real squares. Well, it's not do. It's just at some point. No, I mean, no, 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 no. I mean, you're literally saying it can't go three and one every week. Fair, fair enough. And, and some could accuse me, like in Wall Street terms, of I'm trying to catch the falling knife here, where games just keep going under, and I'm like, well, the odds makers aren't going to let me keep betting under and make money. Well, they didn't adjust the totals any this week, so you could make the case right now. I would look under in these games and not over with the average totals at forty here in week five. Remember, this is what we know about bookmakers. We know two things. Cockroaches. Cockroaches, yeah. That's one, and two, they're not too smart. You know, and I was disappointed last week. <laughs> Usually they put up the number and let <laughs> and let the batters, let you and your elk shape up the number. Yeah, well, I rushed over to shape up the number last week to one of the major books in Vegas, and I asked for one side and one total. Guess how much I was allowed to bet, RJ? Uh, uh, $50. 300 300 side, 300 total, billion-dollar company. It's frustrating. Where were the cowboy boots and the cowboy hat? You know, and they said, they said, you know what? 
Do you have a player's card? If you use your player's card, you probably get much bigger limits. And I'm shaking my head knowing this is not, not <laughs> going to help me. I think, if anything, they gave me less than what the normal limit was. I mean, a lot of people are like, Fezzik, does he really need to go to lengths like... Wore the cowboy boots, cowboy hat, walked around. A lot of action that week. A lot of action. But I guess, Fez, if you had the boots, maybe if you washed out the dye from your hair... You know, that'd be interesting if you took the toupee off. <laughs> but we, again, we don't, the toupee's yet to be proven. Thought you guys were supposed to settle that down at the Super Bowl. That's true. Well, we didn't win the Super Contest. Mm. Speaking of that, this is a great time for an official announcement. It's official. We are going to have two live podcasts in Vegas. I'll give you the broad strokes. But go to at RJ in Vegas. It will be tweeted out. One of the most recent tweets when you check. And it's at the Hard Rock Cafe. All right. So let's start there. It's the Thursday night of the first day of the tournament. So first day's action's over. It's at 10 p.m. So the games are over. We are going to have an all-star cast. It's Fezzik. It's Brad Powers. It's A.J. Hoffman flying in from Houston. Steve Cofield and others. And additionally, it's going to seat 300. It's called the Vinyl Room. I actually saw Andrew Dice Clay in this room. So, I mean, this is like... Real nice venue. Yeah, the Hard Rock is saying this is an event. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to end the moment because this is what you need to do. With the action being so fast-paced, we're going to, in the moment, say, okay, guys, what did we learn? And that points us towards Saturday, right? And then we're going to take a, a late look at Friday's action. So you're going to not get, no, this isn't some review, recap. This is in real time. What do we know about what happened on Thursday that affects Saturday and what do we know about Friday that is late breaking? That is Thursday night. Then on Friday night at 10 o'clock, same deal. We're going to be looking ahead at the Saturday games and we're going to be looking ahead at the Sunday games with, with an eye towards what happened on Friday. Only 300 seats are available for each of the nights, I think it's like 30 bucks and there are some VIPs, uh, you know, where there's a meet and greet. I mean, I don't know. Are we going to raffle off a tug on Fezzik's hair or not? <laughs> Probably not, but you can get up close and kind of see. But also, and this is something I insisted on, we're going to have a lot of questions from the VIP area. The room's a little big to have questions everywhere. So if you go for the VIP tickets, and again, I think they're in the 60 range, but I'm not exactly sure. You can see through the Hard Rock Cafe, but it's going to be a live mic walking. We'll probably have the Mayor Mackie walking around with the mic. I'd say half the pod's going to be questions. So if, if one, if you're going to be in Vegas, two, if you're thinking of being in Vegas, I mean, Hard Rock is right off the strip. Great location, great venue, and, I mean, think about it. If you're betting even 20 bucks a game and we help you win one game, you know, this is one of those 
Um, you know, we've never done a live event. So we thought that every, and, and quite frankly, the fact that the hard rock is putting so much behind this to me made me want to do it because they, they have a lot of faith that there's a market, especially this isn't just some random Saturday. It's the, this is Vegas March madness with the dream preview team live and if you're in the VIP area, you're asking questions. So at RJ in Vegas. And if you have any questions about it, reply on Twitter. Okay. Should be exciting. Uh, I'm pumped. I can't wait, RJ, for you to see Brad meeting and greeting everyone from 830 to 10, whatever it is, and then asking well, Brad. Let's be clear. The, the event starts at 10 probably goes about 90 minutes. Right. So so maybe meeting and greeting before right before 10 o'clock, and then Marquette will have just lost in round one, and RJ will turn to Brad and say, so what did you see in that Marquette game? What happened to uh, the Warriors there, right? You follow the Warriors. Are you following anything he's saying? There's no, be, there'll be one late. There we go. Bananas. Not the Warriors. There's always one late game on Thursday that will just be ending right before we start. Next up, the NBA. Then, best bets. That's how we're finishing this thing. We start with the Lakers. I mean, to some degree, it's pretty easy to say Lakers pretty much eliminated from the playoffs. We're down to like 3-4% chance. Fez, in hindsight... They underperformed. Why? Why? I think it was effort. I think the defensive effort, and I got to give um, some kudos to um, Sleepy J and Mackie, who put together some numbers. Uh, according to NBA Advanced stat, Stats, they took a look at the pre-injury ratings for the Lakers players on how well they play defense versus post-injury to LeBron after LeBron came back. So LeBron's playing in both cases, but pre-injury, I'll read you the numbers of some of these guys, and then I'll give you their post-injury rating. There's about 440 people that they've got stats on an NBA player. So LeBron James went from 193 to 310. He played worse defense, looked like a defensive liability instead of an asset after he came back. Kyle Kuzma, 252 to 366. Brandon Ingram, 151 down to 357. Look at these numbers. They're all in the 300s. Oh, not Rondo. He went from 174 to 400. McGee went from 198 to 420. You get the idea. Across the board, all of these Lakers guys, once they found out they were expendable, suddenly became bottom quartile defenders. That's why the Lakers have given up 106 points or more their past 12 games. And another way to look at this is if you look at the 34 games played before LeBron's injury, then you add in the 18 games without LeBron. And those 52 games, if you look at the ATS margin, it was nearly even. It was about minus a third of a point per game. So just about even. In the dozen or so games, and I think it's a dozen as of Wednesday night, uh, before Wednesday's game, of the dozen or so games since it's been per game, the ATS margin, 
about minus 10, almost minus 10 points. And think about how bad that is. They're getting outscored by 10 points per game. If you look at the... From expectation. Right, from expectation. The expectation would, if you add up these spreads, is close to pick them. So if you look at the very worst team in the NBA, RJ, not one team in the NBA has been outscored on average by 10 points per game. You could make the case that the Lakers, that dirty dozen games they've just played, they've been playing like the worst team in the NBA. So you're saying you blame effort, but in a way, effort's the result. Mm. What is the cause? The Anthony Davis trade rumors was a big part. And obviously, LeBron might be a little bit more hurt than what we are thinking because prior to it, I mean, the Lakers were the number four seed in the West. On Christmas Day, the Lakers are 20 and 14. And, you know, pretty much coming up, meeting expectation for the season at that point. So what happened? LeBron gets hurt. Uh, and then the Anthony Davis trade rumors comes back. LeBron comes back, might not be fully 100%. And maybe another small factor, if there's one player that was really connecting with LeBron as far as chemistry, up and down the floor, offense, defense, Lonzo Ball, who's also been out the last 12, 15 games. Yeah, we were having the conversation, who's better, Ball or Rondo? Who would you rather have on this year's team? Well, I think it's pretty clear that they did indeed miss Ball, his energy, his ball handling skills, and his defense. Wally Balls, it's my alias. <laughs> All right. Is there any, what, you talk stock market, dead, dead cat bounce. Is there any point where you think Lakers play better out of pride, out of whatever? I don't think so. I think the chemistry shot for the rest of the year, and the only question is, you know, frankly, is it fixable going forward into the 2019-2020 season? Which is interesting because there is a long-term prop that's moved drastically. So let's define the prop. Will the Lakers win a title in the next four seasons, counting this season, this season, plus the next three? One title win is a yes. Zero titles is a no. How have those odds adjusted? At the all-star break, the Lakers were two to one, plus 200. Now to win one title in four years. One title in the next four years. Now the Lakers are four to one, so their odds have they're, they're giving you double and basically saying their odds of winning have halved. And I think it makes sense because here's the question I'll ask. If they don't get Anthony, here's, here's the path to a decent chance to win a title. They get Anthony Davis. They don't have to give away the store. Even if it's just Anthony Davis, LeBron motivated, one other good player, Kuzman, uh, Ingram, Ingram, just pick one. And now you get one or two signings because, hey, you know, mid-level level exemption, blah, blah, blah. You're in the conversation, especially if KD goes to the Knicks because mm-hmm. now everything kind of regresses back and there's a lot of teams in that middle, Right. And who knows, Kyrie goes to the Knicks. Now the Knicks become viable, but Boston gets weakened and Golden State gets weakened. Houston's a year older. I mean, you know, assuming that Leonard leaves Toronto, Toronto gets weakened. I mean, the whole league could come, but you could really pull back to the middle next year. LeBron, 
with Anthony Davis, one other good player is right in the mix. And it's going to be a heck of a lot easier to get one other good player or more if you get Anthony Davis because all of a sudden, if I'm a veteran and you've got AD and LeBron, well, maybe I'll sign for a little bit below market, but only if Anthony Davis comes. Yeah, but my thought was they keep one of their existing and then there's a signing. Right, with Kuzma or Ingram. Yeah, okay. But other than that, Anthony Davis goes anywhere else. Give me the reason. I don't want to hear the... I mean, we know there's the long shots. Kyrie and LeBron reunite. You know, Michael Jordan comes back after stem cells. <laughs> there, I mean, but give me the reasonable scenario. The Lakers are a a contender. Seems like it's Anthony Davis or nothing. They miss the playoffs and win the lottery and get Zion. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, that is interesting. If, you know, if, if well, that would be fascinating. <laughs> talk talk about conspiracy theories. <laughs> so the market is telling us, boy, the odds have gotten worse. Okay, Golden State just got blown out by Boston. Don't overreact to one game. Fez, what's your general thoughts on Golden State's odds relative to their current future prices? I think they're a little bit overpriced. Last time I checked, Golden State was minus 250 to win the NBA title. Got to lay $250 to make 100 I think the true odds for Golden State are probably just around 65%, maybe even only 60%, RJ. They really are coasting to a point that I'm a little worried about them. I'm a little worried about Boogie Cousins. I don't know if you saw the the Boston game last night, but he seems pretty combustible. Like not much has changed now that Golden State's struggling. Got teed up. He's shoving players. I mean, the only time that the Golden State Warriors have lost one of these finals, what happened? Draymond Green, little combustible, ends up getting suspended a game, and that was the niche in the armor that the Cavs took advantage of. I'm a little worried because this. This Warriors team isn't as deep as those past additions were two, three years ago. And let's face it, last year, I think that if Chris Paul's playing for the Rockets, there's no question. Well, there's there's still a question, but it's likely the Rockets take him out because the reason the Rockets lost game six and seven at home is largely because Chris Paul was out and they still built double-digit leads against this invincible Golden State team. Yeah, you know, Bill Simmons made a, a, a really interesting point. He said that a couple years ago, when you played Golden State, you were seeing a style of basketball you had never seen before. It's like, what in the heck is going on here? And now, a couple years later, Golden State is playing the same style and playing it better. Let's agree, they're the best version of it. But you see the style everywhere. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee. I mean, every. I mean, more than half the teams. Yeah. So, in a way, the intimidation factor isn't there. Like you, you know, remember the lineup of death. You're not <laughs> hearing about that. So, to me, an interesting debate, and maybe we'll have it next week. You know, who are in the West, especially. Because the theory is it would be Denver or OKC or Houston. You know, who is the real competitor in the West for Golden State? Houston. And we'll uh, talk about that next week. Now, (laughs) this week, (laughs) what I want to do is kind of recap the East. 
because we had our auction. I got 75 and Fez took Milwaukee, laid the lumber. Brad just uh, took out the rubber band and he went into his left pocket and right pocket, laid the double lumber with Boston. I came back, took plus money in all scenarios with Toronto. Fez, give us kind of an update where you think things are. Well, I think you and I are looking good. RJ Milwaukee <laughs> is the current favorite. They're at plus 150. Obviously, they've been playing very solid ball. Looking very likely Milwaukee's going to get the number one seed. But Toronto, not to be outdone, they too are coasting along. They're going to get the number two seed almost for sure. They're plus 225. I'm not going to lie. There's been some setbacks for Boston and for Philadelphia. <laughs> Kyrie Irving, when he plays the team, Boston outscores their opponents by five points per game. Without Kyrie, they're great. They outscore their opponents by 10 points per game. They're worse in the regular season so far with Kyrie. So Boston's odds have fallen to plus 325, chemistry issues. And, of course, Philadelphia Embiid, he's missed six straight games. Concerns about that, plus 350 on Philadelphia, the number four choice. So you're saying you're looking good and you're looking good. Once again, it is R.J. Bell. And Brad? Not so much. Wah, wah. <laughs> All right. So, Fez, are you happy? Would you trade with me or would you rather be you? No, I, I still think fear the deer. I really think Milwaukee. You know what? It's interesting. Milwaukee's outscoring their opponents by 9.3 points per game, R.J. This is the 13th best scoring differential in NBA History. That's how good Milwaukee's been playing. Well, it seems like you should be taking them to win the title. Like, big bet. I haven't seen you tweet that ticket out. Yeah, <laughs> jelly in the belly with Golden State and man, that potential, that lineup of death, as you said. Or it could be Milwaukee's the classic team that gets margin against crappy teams. The, the, the Van Fleet theory. Yeah, you were saying margin. You were doing this this time last year with Toronto. I know. Cleveland's even. They're, you know, even though the record's 50 and 32, they're ah. even on this season when it comes to points per game differential. Toronto, they're plus ah. seven points per game. <laughs> Clearly, they're the better team. Finally, we got Brad fighting back. Portfolio, the Fez portfolio took a hit. I'm not going to lie there. Hey, listen, Brad, think of it this way. So my professional life is like at a nine, and my personal life is at like a two. But it's the opposite, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It is best bet time. But we have one and just one commercial break. New sponsor. And these guys have made a commitment. Vivid Seats. Now, why Vivid Seats? You've heard of the different marketplaces and all that for seats. Here's where the advantages are. This is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. Watch your favorite team, your favorite artist in person. Prices are great and it's easy to purchase. Let's be candid. A lot of the user experiences when you buy things aren't easy Vivid focuses on making that experience easy. Now, here's the podcast code, RJB. You know, that's what I use for poker. 
It's always RJB. Really? Yes. R for 20 plus years. RJB, RJ Bell makes sense, right? RJB with that code, 10% off your first purchase with Vivid Seats. Doesn't matter how much the seats cost. If you decide you want to go get something really nice and juicy, 10% off. Just use that podcast code RJV. You go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. First time new customers can enter the promo code RJB and receive 10% off your order. And here's why it's the perfect time. And we'll be talking about this each week on the podcast. You don't know who's going to be playing whom. So let's say we're talking, you're interested in the SEC, or let's say the ACC college basketball tournament. And let's say by some crazy confluence of events, Zion decides to play. (laughs) And now it's Zion versus and Duke versus North Carolina in the final. Now, how much more appealing is that game than the more likely Zion's at home counting his money <laughs> and North Carolina's playing somebody else? Now, if you buy your tickets normally, you're like in the same square spot Brad is, just kind of wishing, hoping. Maybe you got, you know, your Greek. And hoping. Yeah, and you got wishing. your yeah, Greek worry beads. No, that's the beauty of Vivid Seats this time of year. As the perspective matchups lay out, as soon as you see, yes, that's what I want to see, boom, vivid seats, take advantage. And if somehow, some way, oh, no, 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 I'm happy RJ won his money, but I'm not going without Zion. Well, then you don't have to do anything. See, that's the whole thing. They want the colleges the arenas and all that, they want your commitment as soon as possible when there's uncertainties. And there's no time in which there's more uncertainties than during these tournaments. Literally, sometimes you won't know till the night before. So that's why this is the time, not only to help the dream preview, but this is the time where the utility, the value proposition for you is at its highest with Vivid Seats. Go to the App Store or Google Play. Download Vivid Seats. That's V-I-V-I-D. Vivid Seats mobile app. And use promo code RJB. 10% off your first Vivid Seats order. Do it for us. Do it for yourself. Lastly, old friend, True Car. 60 seconds. That's exactly how long this commercial lasts. You know what else you can do in about a minute? Faz, we won't get into this with you in your high school days. Get out, get under, an, get an offer on your car with True Car. That's right. And the amount of time it takes to floss your teeth, pet your dog, do a few sit ups, or just listen to my voice, you can get a true cash offer. Best of all, you can do it with your smartphone or at home. Just go to True Car and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Answer a few questions and you'll get an accurate True Car offer from a local True Car certified dealer. It's that easy. After that, you can bring your car in and they'll check it out with you together. You can ask questions, get the answers you need. There's going to be no surprises. Then simply leave your check, leave with that check or trade in your car for a new ride. 
So, when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. All right, boys, best bet time. Mr. Dave Esther, though, said, I'm doubling up. I'm going to give a man a fish sandwich, but I'm also going to teach a man how to fish. And he's got a topic specifically on must-win teams, teams that are entering the tournament, and it's win it or go home, or at least at minimum not make the NCAA. Let's hear what Dave Esler has to say. Last week we talked about teams in their last home game. This week I want to share something, teams that must have good conference tournaments. One of them is Murray State with a new criteria that rewards top conferences and sucks all the auto bids out from smaller ones. The Ohio Valley is not getting that large bid. Murray State's 25-4 and four with no bad losses. At Alabama by six, at Auburn by five. They must win the OVC tournament and avenge a 13-point home loss to Belmont. We'll address that game Sunday, but Friday, if things play out the way I see them, they'll play Jacksonville State, who beat them by 20 this season. They're only other conference loss. Love Murray State going forward. St. Mary's, very similar situation, playing in the West Coast Conference. Finished second. They're going to have a triple bye before they play in the semis Monday night, probably against BYU, who plays a much quicker tempo and won't be rested. If this plays out, I'll love St. Mary's to get to Gonzaga. Other teams, Furman in the SoCon, one bad loss all year. Arizona State, number two team in the Pac-12, must play themselves in. Really need to pay attention to who needs good conference tournaments and who doesn't going forward. All right, Brad, what do you agree? What do you disagree with? Yeah, I think, uh, honestly, I don't like to play on teams that have that extra pressure. I, I think that puts, it's kind of a distraction. It's like, oh no, I mean, if we don't perform well this game, we don't have an alternative. So Now, what, now listen, if it's a pick em type game, I hear you. It's kind of analogous to those must win. But if, you're, if it's a situation with a Murray State where it's a margin issue... It feels like it, it would be a real margin motivator. Yeah, I mean, and they've been looking to get margin, and Murray State has been getting margin on some of their last three, four opponents, if you've been following along with the scores. But I'll say this. It's kind of a, a tangent to this. Teams that are on kind of the bubble that need this in the conference tournaments, I'll say this. I think the market accounts for it and oftentimes over accounts for it. Everyone knows this team absolutely needs this game. They're thinking, oh, this team really needs this game. The other team, ah, they don't need to win. And it's either they're already knowing they're going home or they they lose it and get ready for the NCAA tournament. You're always paying a premium on these teams that are in must-win mode. So I oftentimes don't find a lot of value on them, RJ. I think where you might find value, though, is you look at that Ohio Valley Conference. That conference desperately wants Murray State to get the bid because they're the sexiest team. And if not Murray State, Belmont. And I certainly have seen some favorable refereeing going on in these conference tourneys where they want their one and two seeds to be playing in the finals. Mm, conspiracy theories. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, let's not solely my gal. Go, Fez, go. Alliance of American Football. There's only one book. Oh, 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 hold on. Of of course. I mean, I don't think we can really have an AAF game without saying... 
This is the game that people are going to talk about for years to come. <laughs> Probably not. Right now, it's as of Wednesday night. I'm worried about this league's viability. There's only one book in the world that I see. This on, is the game that people are going to talk that about. That is putting lines up on the AAF, but they have put them up. And my pick here is the Birmingham Iron plus five and a half hosting Orlando. I can't imagine a worse spot for a football team. Orlando, week two, they had to go to Texas. They played at San Antonio. Week three, they had to practice in Georgia to circumvent the workman's comp rules where they couldn't get insurance in Florida. Last week, they had to go to Salt Lake and play there in Utah. And now, week five, they have to go to Birmingham. Birmingham's been home for their second straight week here. I like the iron, plus five and a half. The star of the show has been the drop. I seriously, the drop has been star of the show. Give that pick one more time. I was just like Birmingham Iron plus five and a half against the Orlando Apollos and Steve Spurrier. Now, how have you done on in the AAF? I'm one and one. We had a week three winner with the Fleet and a week four loser on Salt Lake. So if you didn't have any juice, you'd be even. But we have juice, RJ. Oh, okay. We're down. All right. Next <laughs> up, Mr. Brad. Well, you know, let's do uh, Dave's got his. Let's do Mr. Dave Esler. Thursday night, college basketball. UCF over Cincinnati. Projected line, UCF minus three. It's a revenge game for a five-point loss at Cincinnati where they let Cincinnati shoot 50% from behind the arc and only went to the free throw line seven times themselves. In other words, that was a winnable game for the Knights. Knights' last home game, three senior starters, two of them, Fall and Taylor, been with the program for four years. Expect super max effort. UCF just knocked off Houston on the road, and in their last home game beat SMU by 47 points. Cincinnati has a home date season finale with Houston to end the regular season Sunday. UCF is bigger, UCF is more experienced, and UCF will beat Cincinnati. Okay, so Brad, we're taping a little later than Dave called in for us. What's the current line? Uh, Central Florida, two and a half point home favorite. Okay, so in range, what's your thought? Slight disagreement for me. Uh, Here's what, it's a classic buy low, sell high handicap. UCF has covered seven straight games. UCF's off their biggest win in school history last week. They upset a highly ranked Houston team. ESPN College game day was on hand. So I think there's kind of an exhale because UCF has pretty much clinched an NCAA tournament bid as long as they don't lose out. On the other hand, Cincinnati's failed to cover six straight games, but they've won five of them. It's Cincinnati laying these big numbers they haven't been covering. Now Cincinnati's in an underdog spot for the first time ever against Central Florida in 11 meetings here. I kind of lean towards Cincinnati plus two and a half. Mm-hmm. Seems like you're taking Matty Holt's position. A lot of anti Esler oh, might have to fly out of here. <laughs> And leave with a, a nice, uh, yeah. you know, the way full, I'm full going. left pocket. Yeah. I got to tell you, Brad, I thought Essler's handicap was excellent, however. See, Faz is smart. He knows Essler's got like nine years of winning behind him. All the man does is win. <laughs> All right. It's Brad Powers. Best bet time. Best bet for me, Thursday night, college basketball. We're going to take Colorado minus six over UCLA. So UCLA. 
They have an interim coach just playing out the season. Been a very disappointing for UCLA. They fired Steve Alford before Christmas. And somehow, someway, UCLA has three straight home games. So what happens down the stretch last week? UCLA wins all three of those games. All three of them were coin flips. UCLA wins by one over Oregon State. They rally by 19 points down against Oregon and somehow win that game. Then against their rival USC, they win in overtime. You switch up any of those games, maybe UCLA change a couple plays and they go one and two and everyone in the marketplace is thinking, hey, this UCLA team, they're just playing out the season with a lame duck coach. Nothing to like here. On the flip side, you got Colorado playing their best ball of the season down the stretch. One and covered six of their last eight. And believe it or not, where does, what does Ken Palm rank as the number one home court advantage in college basketball? Not Cameron Indoor at Duke. It's actually Colorado because of the altitude advantage. I like Colorado minus six over an overrated and overpriced UCLA team. Professional handicap. Solid. And by the way, RJ, if you ever wonder why teams foul down 10 with under one minute to play when it's hopeless, go back and watch UCLA beat Oregon. That was truly, that wasn't a coin flip. That was a miracle. Well, it happens. It, it, one out of 10 times, wasn't it? And the, the miracle on ice, just one game, just one game. All right. Well, last thought for me, you know, we all got our, people, I guess, you know, my grandfather, when I was a kid and it was like, it was like Perry Como died. And it's like, oh, who gives a, you know, it's like, but for him, he grew up with Perry Como. So when he dies, well, you feel your own. He did it mortality. Well, luckily for him, he uh, made it to 95. Lucky for us. But for me, at least, in my mid-40s, Dylan McKay, that was cool. And the idea of uh, Dylan McKay and and <laughs> Luke Perry obviously passing away, very, you know, very sad. So we'll give, uh, we'll give a little uh, um, in honor of on the way out. I like cream in my coffee And I like to, to sleep late on Sunday And nobody knows me like my baby And I like eggs over easy Flower tortillas And nobody knows me Like my baby And nobody holds me And nobody knows me Nobody knows Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for R.J.? You can contact him directly on Twitter at R.J. in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.